After Hurricane Harvey, there was recently a pastor of a large church who was getting grilled and slammed. I'm not going to mention his name. I think there's a lot of information we don't have, so we need to give benefit of the doubt. I think we should not be hasty in judging. At the same time, in the context of that, contrasting that, there was a man named Mattress Mac who owned a chain of furniture shops, like living spaces. He opened up all the shops and said, I don't care if you get it dirty, come. And about thousands of people lived in furniture that cost thousands of dollars. And he's like, you know, number one, I could resell these anyway. <laughs> but number two, it's about being a neighbor. And so one thing I was watching this news and people's reaction to the pastor, and I realized something. We can agree to this, that the world still assumes correctly that if there's broken, hurting people, the one place that should be the first to welcome them is the church. And so this is why our vision statement is leading people to love Jesus because he is the end all, be all, by all. And then second is leading people to love others. And so we have to get that so straight that church is about God and others. That we, as we serve, we become servants more and more. So it's opposite. You don't go to church and you become more important. The more you go to church and become like Christ, you become more servant-like. And so God and religion is, is this misconception we have. Today, church is more a place where we hold nice worship services. And I just want to remind you, throughout the whole Bible, God does not get impressed with fancy worship. He cares more about how we live as his people. For example, Isaiah 29, 13 says, God speaking, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So we could worship, but our hearts, if they don't love God and others, he's like, I don't need your worship service. I don't need your singing. I don't need your praising. And so when people perform religious duty out of guilt, obligation, or, or like just winning points so maybe God will like me more, we miss the point and he despises it. So church that worships like brainlessly out of routine, like this is what we do, this is what we've always done, the danger is you can forget God wants your heart, not your service. So what does God care about? He cares about this. You ready? This is all God cares about. He cares about your heart fully devoted to him. He cares about your heart loving your neighbors. Is that a great line that I made up? No, it's Jesus Christ. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, Jesus replied, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment. You don't get this, you get nothing else. Well, I didn't kill anybody. Well, you, if you don't get the first, it doesn't matter. He's saying this is the most important. And second is like it. You ready? Love your neighbor as yourself. Can you say that to the person next to you? Love your neighbor as yourself. So in America, being a in culturally individualistic Western society, we are an individualistic society. What I get out of it, what I get out of it. We confuse church with giving our hearts fully to God and to others. We always 
ask this. When someone says, would you serve? We always say, well, what can I get out of it? Or, or I don't know if I, I cut out my other stuff. And so I just want to say something very important here. It's very easy for the church to become so self-absorbed, we forget God and others. Let me give you an example. This picture, I'm, I'm going to preface you, it's a bit shocking. On the top, you see Jesus saves. Hallelujah. And it says, Calvary Church, Assembly of God. And you got people protesting during segregation. This church is the key to Morningside. Awesome. And then next banner. This is in America only 50 years ago. We do not welcome the colored. Is it possible we could preach the word of God and be so religiously right and sing with passion but miss God and people? Absolutely. Thank God I was 1960s. We don't do that now, though. Let's pray and go home. This is the human nature of sin that we need to give to Jesus, and he needs to destroy in us. And so God cares about people, folks. Amen? God cares about alienated people. God cares about widows, orphans, and aliens. Three verses. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18 and 19. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigners residing among you. Foreigners. <laughs> giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners. For you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. Now I get it. And I don't want to get sidetracked. It's a complicated situation. But how do Christians respond? <laughs> They're here. We love them. How do we love them? And how do we deal with this with love? Two, Isaiah 10, 1, 3. Look at God. Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees, to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. What will you do on the day of reckoning when disaster comes from afar? I want us to feel uncomfortable right now because I think we realize we've been neglecting. Matthew 23, 23. This is Jesus talking. Because we're like, oh, that's Old Testament. The New Testament's a little, little gracious and warm, fuzzier. Listen to Jesus. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisee. Pharisees. Basically religious, pious, self-righteous, churchy folks who really say we are so good at following the law. You hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Notice he doesn't say, don't give offering. He's saying, give offering, go to church, do worship, but do that while you're serving against and fighting against injustice, the marginalized, the hurting. So, what is our vision statement again? This church, we're striving to become a church. Five years ago, our quote really would have been, trying to survive. But this is a church of Jesus Christ. We're trying to thrive. Amen? And so our leading, our vision is we are leading people to love Jesus. We are that friend to the sinner saying, hey, I got to tell you, the hope that we have is not in winning the lottery or getting a nice job and finding the right wife. It's finding Jesus Christ, and we are leading people to love others. This church should be known on the hill, not as a church with the stained glass or the music, 
but the church that just radically loves people. Amen. Thank you, God. So, so we, that's what we desire. So, Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 12, I think captures this picture so beautifully in Mark chapter 2. So, the background story is this. Jesus is in Capernaum. It's Capernaum. I've been pronouncing it Capernaum this whole time. Noob. Capernaum. I found out this past Wednesday during the Bible study I was teaching. <clears throat> so, crowded house. Every space is filled. And then verse 3 and 4. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. You know, I, I just realized as I was meditating on this, it doesn't mean there were only four men. It means there were a lot of men, but only four happened to be carrying this man. So there was a posse of friends coming for this paralyzed man. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the man that the man was lying on. Now, my son weighs like 85, 90 pounds. Those four guys were struggling. I'm sorry. You guys were like turning red. And I just, I just pictured this mess and clay and wood chips, and they're just trying to get this guy to Jesus. So Jesus, as we read, sees the faith, heals the man. And then because of these friends, the man saw the power of God. That's just an overview. But I want to share with you just four things about how that was such a loving community. If you want to be a church that is a truly a loving community and not just a gathering of worshipers, this, I think, is a great picture. Ready? First, you got to fess up. Fess up is a slang for confess. So you got to fess up. Fess up means what are we confessing? The first thing as a community is we do believe Jesus is all that. He is the hope, the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. We believe that life starts with Jesus. It's sustained with Jesus. It's redeemed in Jesus. The hope that we ultimately need for sin is Jesus. It is not the potluck. It is not our music. It is not just we're a nice bunch of people who play Bunko or Monopoly or, or Uno. We are a community that says we above and believe supremely Jesus Christ is all that we need. And so this is the verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, he, the miracle story begins with these men who wholeheartedly believed in Jesus. They were like, we heard about this guy. I believe it. we got to get Joey to him. Let's go. And they picked up this guy, put him in a mat, and walked. In my picture, I'm thinking landmark. Landmark golf course right here. Like from there to church, I ran that route because of a beloved church member who tortured me up and down the hill. And walking without carrying anything but my shirt and my shorts and sneaker, I was like, this is hard. And I'm picturing these guys carrying a paralytic up and down the journey, through the hills, through the woods, up the roof. They, why did they do it? They believed. They didn't say, maybe, let's give it a shot. I think they said, we're not stopping until we get to Jesus. Do you have that kind of faith? Like, let the storm come. It's not easy. It's going to be hard. But do what you will. My foundation and rock is Jesus Christ. They did not quit in their traveling, their determination, the reason for their faith. They believed Jesus was who he said he was. Let me just throw out some things. We believe Jesus is the hope for the world, so we proclaim the good news. We believe Jesus is a source of new life. 
So we preach and we pray for our enemies and loved ones to open their eyes, eyes and their hearts. We believe Jesus gives us power and purpose so we step out of our comfort zones, even at the risk of ridicule, insult, criticism, empowered by the Holy Spirit because we believe Jesus calls us out there. They were going because they believed in Jesus. How awesome is that? So first thing we need to do is fess up. That's how a loving church starts. It's not your, you know, that's warmth. It's that. Two, you got to show up. Can you say show up? Let's get a little back. Oh, come on. You white and Korean people, you know, you know we got to you know, get a little Pentecost. Show up. Show up. Oh, that's a little better. A little better. You got to show up. You just have to show up. What am I talking about? Uh, I wrote this phrase. I'm going to tattoo it on my paper. To care, you have to be there. Can you say that? To care, you have to be there. And you're like, no, I could call an email. and like, no, no. Let's talk about real stuff. I, I'm, I'm, you could Facebook and post likes. But you know what? When you really care, you're going to be there. To care, you have to be there. You got to show up. So the four friends didn't just say, I'll pray for you. I'll remember you. Oh, we're praying for you. We're singing songs for you. They got together and said, we're going to do something about it. We showed up. We're going to be here. We're going to walk with you. We're going to be with you. We're going to carry you. I want to show you a picture. Okay. I want to ask you this. What do you see in this photo? Just call it out. What do you see in this photo? Good. Come on. Come on. Anything? All right. Like, doesn't look like like an action photo. <laughs> but there's a lot of action going on here. There's a lot of action going on here. You know what's going on here? There's listening going on here. Just raise your hand if you said, boy, I just wish just one day I, I could just have somebody really listen. I, I raise my hand. There's listening. There's, there's touching. There's this physical, like I am warming your shoulder literally. And then there's also this loving. I want to read you a quote from a poem, poet, Rainer Maria Rilke. Love consists in this two solitudes, protect and border and salute each other. It is love in which we represent God's love to a suffering person. A God who does not fix us, but gives us strength by suffering with us, by standing respectfully and faithfully at the border of another solitude, even if they're not talking, even if they're depressed, even if they're sad, quiet, we may mediate the love of God to a person who needs something deeper than any human being can give. A letter doesn't do that. Email doesn't do that. Your presence can do that. And so to love, you got to show up. So, when you, so this is loving neighbor means being there, not just having sentiments of love. We love this community. And, hey, we're doing an outreach. Oh, I'm busy. Oh, we love the people that come. Um, but I got to go home. I got to lunch with my friends every week for the next 20 years. We, we love, we love non-Christians. Oh, well, come and hear, hear preaching, but uh, I did my job. No, loving church, it's easy to worship and go home. It's harder to sacrifice and bring in. 
So James says this, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, this is so funny, Jesus' brother is funny, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does not do anything about the physical need, what good is it? So if the church says, boy, and I hear some of you guys, oh, there's so many hurting people. My question to you is like, so what are you doing about it? Well, Pastor Jason, are we going to do a program? Here's the program. You ready? You're the program because you're the church. Amen? The tr- program is not the mission committee is giving us a program. You are the church. Can you say that? I am the church. Well, that sounds weird. I am part of the church is better. But you get the point. And so we are called to do life together in community. You know how else you can love if you don't show up? Life groups. This is what I hear people saying, like, I don't need that life group. I'm okay. You totally missed the point. Holy moly. You're okay. But what if Phyllis over there needs your presence in her life, in that life group? Way to be self-absorbed. Life together means you're not doing it because you get something out of it. You're doing it to see what you could put into serving others. This is what it looks like to be a church. So third, it leads to this. You got to give up. What does give up mean? Love is costly. Some of people are like, you know, when I serve and love my neighbors or enemies, man, it's hard. And when I hear that, I'm like, Duh! <laughs> it's, like, it's like when I go in the water, Pastor Jason, I get wet. No. You get wet when you jump in the water? So when we love, it's costly. Think about this paralyzed friend, his four friends. What did they give up? I was thinking about this. What did they give up? Number one, they gave up energy. It was tiring, man. They gave up energy to carry this man miles. Two, they gave up time. They take the time out of the day to come and say, today we're going to get you help. We're going to get you to the Savior. Third, they gave up dignity. They gave up this dignity to say, no matter what, we're going to go into a crowd of people, lower somebody, and they may say, look at those fools, and then they're going to say, it's all worth it because it's not about us. I don't care what you say about me. We're going to help. So many people say, should I help? I'm too tired, or I don't have the time. It's just not for me. I think a lot of it is just simply... (laughs) We're not willing to give up what we already got. Can we be honest here? And so when people today are like, everyone's busy, everyone's busy, here's what I'm finding. My father and mother owned a dry cleaner for 25, 30 years. They worked six days a week from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. every single day. The dry cleaner was 35 miles away from our home. They went back and forth every day, snow, sleet, or rain, New York City. New York and New Jersey weather. But check this out. They were both elders of a church that was 50 miles away from the dry cleaners. They never missed a Wednesday night worship. They never missed a session meeting. They went to every church meeting, even in a darn blizzard. And we were like, we ain't going today, Mom. They're like, yes, we are. This 1980 Chevy Malibu classic with rear-wheel drive that just slipping and sliding everywhere. And they said, God comes first. And they would not sacrifice 
energy or time. So they would come home from dry cleaners, eat food, take a shower, leave the house at 7.45, get to church by 8.15 and worship and come home. And I was like, I thought that was normal. But here's my point to you today. That's busy. And they were willing to give up. And I got to say, my sister is a pastor's wife. My brother is an elder of a church. I'm a pastor. I have to say, the way they lived did something to us by their faith. I don't know if we're a community that is willing to give up our conveniences, time, energy for the sake of loving others. But I want to ask us, could you do that? Moving on, lastly, this is probably the most important at the end. You got to lift up. This is the message I gave to the children. A loving community will always lift up people to Jesus in the end. They don't just simply help them, but they help them out of Jesus' love, the good news, because the good news undoes the power of sin. And when Jesus, friends didn't realize, they did more than help their friend with their paralysis. Verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Did you catch that? Like, you go to McDonald's for a Big Mac, and then they're like, welcome to McDonald's. Here's a Jersey Mike sub. Like, you would be freaked out. I came for a Big Mac. They came to Jesus to be healed from paralysis. What does he give them? Your sins are forgiven. So friends are going, what? (laughs) Come on. I didn't come here for a little holy moment. I want to be walking. And what Jesus, they don't realize is, Jesus doesn't want to just take care of the symptom of sin. He wants to take care of the sin. He doesn't give us what we want. He always gives us what you will need when you say, Jesus, I'm here for you. And so Mark chapter 9, verse 46, and if your eye calls you to sin, uh, stumble, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell. What was a rich, paralyzed man's biggest need? It was not paralysis. It was a source of paralysis that caused eternal death. Jesus wasn't there just to give philanthropic work. He was there to give him an eternity, a life redeemed. And he does it through healing the paralysis. See, let me land this plane with this way. It is weird, though. He's a paralyzed man. Your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees said, wait a minute. Who can forgive sins but God alone? That was correct. They answered correctly. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus had a problem here. He had to prove that he is God. So he says to you and me, what's easier, to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or get up, take your mat, and walk? And we talked about this Bible study, but it's this. If I, go to, if I go to you and say, your sins are forgiven, and I walk away, how do you know if it's true or not? Can you see Alma, like, change? No, but if Alma's paralyzed, and I say, get up, take your mat, and walk, and she doesn't, then I am a liar. So Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. So they're going, (gasps) and he says, I can forgive sins. And to prove it, let me give you a visual power of what I can do to show you that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins. Get up, take your mat, and walk. And he gets up, takes his mat, and walks. The man didn't just get healed. The man was forgiven. And so the church... Our job is not just to love, but we're motivated by this idea that Lazarus was dead and rises again, but he still could die. 
What does Lazarus really need? A savior. What do you and I need? We don't need a job, or we do need a job, but we don't need that on our savior. What we really all need humanity is what? A savior for our sins. So here's a conclusion. We dream of a community at this church that we are sold out to love Jesus Christ. And out of that faith in Jesus Christ, we are a community that you look around. Just can you do that for me? Just look around really quick. Ten seconds. Just go awkwardly, make eye contact. Hello. That you come in this community. We want to love you. We want to walk with you. We want to say You may have been rejected, but we welcome you because our Savior was a friend of sinners and we want to live out his work in this earth until he comes. And we're going to do it pointing you to Jesus for the rest of your life. This is the vision of CPCLM. We're going to lift up Jesus and people more than anything else, more than what am I getting out of it? What what about my pew? What about my, my music? We're going to say Jesus comes first. And the people will always be served. May you increase and I decrease. Just as I finalize in prayer, I look at my life, my friends who've carried me, my parents, my youth pastors who couldn't speak English, some of you, even my neighbors, they were the ones that kept pointing me, sacrificing for me, showing up for me, confessing to me that Jesus We're going to walk with you. Can we be that to each other, church? Amen? Can you pray for that for your life? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for this time. And as we take this message to heart, may it land. May it disturb us. May it also open our eyes that it is so easy to be religious and not to even love you or to love our neighbors. God, may we be a church that steps out of our doors and comfort zone and boundary. May we be a church that knows what it looks like to take in the foreigners and to sacrifice our conveniences for life. May we be a church that proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ, who takes away the sins of the world and who gives us life eternal. We are committed to you, Lord. Embed that in our hearts. And we pray the prayer that you taught us as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever.